This is MuggleCast, your Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts podcast covering everything about J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. This week's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is the leading provider of audiobooks with more than 180,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 285. Micah, Eric, and I here this week. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Aw, happy Thanksgiving to you too, Andrew. (laughs) What are you thankful for, Andrew? Um, well... Aside from the two of us. Hmm, what am I thankful for? Well, actually, I wanted to talk later in the show about what... If you had to pick one thing that you're thankful for in the world of Harry Potter this year, what, what would that be? Because there's a lot hmm. to consider. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll let you have uh, about 30 or 45 minutes to think about it. <laughs> we'll come back later on in the show. <laughs> I, I have a Harry Potter idea. I, yeah, but what I'm actually thankful for outside of Harry Potter, I don't, the new Adele album, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Did I steal yours, Micah? Thanks. Adele. Yeah, that was totally mine. You, you want to come over and Adele and cry? It's the new Netflix and chill. I was going to actually dress up like Adele and uh, pretend that, uh, what, what did she do? She did something, right? Where she surprised a bunch of people who were, uh, who liked to sing like Adele, she did. Yeah, yeah. Adele wannabes, so to speak. Well, did you see the SNL skit? I did. I did. That I did was not. great. Their Thanksgiving dinner it. and heated arguments are washed away when Adele comes on right. in the boombox in the corner. <laughs> it is actually laugh out loud funny. It's so good. It's pretty good, yeah. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So before we get to the news, and there's a lot of good stuff for us to talk about this oh, week. Oh, yeah. It kind of feels like it happened a while ago, but um, you know, a lot got unveiled about Fantastic Beasts earlier this month. Before we get to that, we kind of have a little announcement slash request. Um, as everybody knows, there's a lot going on with Harry Potter right now, and we're currently deciding what to do with MuggleCast over the next few years. Because as everybody knows, it's an exciting time to be a Harry Potter fan. There's three spinoff movies in the works, there's the play, and whatever else J.K. Rowling has in store for us. So, with so much to talk about these days, we're interested in ramping up how many episodes of MuggleCast we do. And we're interested in, wait for it, potentially releasing two or even four episodes a month like we used to do in the good old days. Yes. And going back to in-depth segments about the books and characters, etc. And we want to take what we do on the show currently and expand on it. So just offering up more Harry Potter content for you to consume each month. But to do that, we need to make the show more of a priority in our lives. And that means getting your financial support. So what we're considering doing is launching a Patreon. And a lot of you may be familiar with this. Micah and Eric do one with Game of Owns right now. And I do one with Millennial. It's it's basically a Kickstarter for creators like podcasters, authors, etc. So our plans aren't set in place yet, but we have a bunch of ideas for what we could do in this Patreon. And we're curious if you'd be interested in seeing them come to fruition. So we would love, love, love if you took this survey we put together. Just go to MuggleCast.com and right at the top you'll see a link to this survey. It only takes a couple minutes, super easy to fill out. And um, we'd really appreciate if you do that so we can figure out if if there's enough interest for Patreon, if there's enough interest for more episodes of MuggleCast, and 
if you want to support us, which would be amazing, um, what you would like to receive for supporting Mm -hmm. us. So, I mean, Mike and Eric, you can share your thoughts, but I just want to finally say that the three of us think now is the perfect time to ramp up MuggleCast in a big way. But we can only do it if we have your support. And we know many of you have been with us for years. We've been with us since the very beginning. So we see an opportunity here to connect with you guys in a in a big way. Absolutely. And and basically what Andrew is saying is it's been free for 10 years. So there's no reason why you shouldn't support us. I'm just kidding. It's time to uh, pay up. No, <laughs> no. Uh, but I wow. agree with what you just said uh, that there is a lot uh, that we can talk about now. Uh, really since the the last film came out, it's been a bit quiet. Uh, there's been moments, but I think now with everything that you mentioned that's going to be going on, uh, we really are interested in continuing this podcast for the long term. And there's going to be, uh, I, I think, a, a strong desire on our part to continue to do episodes more than just monthly. You know, we're happy to continue to do that, but you know, if we're going to want and look to expand, uh, we would definitely uh, be appreciative of, of any support that you're willing to give. Obviously, we're very much in debt to all of you for your support over the course of the last 10 years, almost 300 episodes of MuggleCast. And, you know, we couldn't have done it without the listener base that that we've had and, and just how passionate and, and engaged you are about the series. But this is uh, moving things in, in a little bit of a different direction. Of course, you know, there's no you don't have to support the show. We're not like twisting your arm saying you absolutely, there's no unbreakable vow or anything like that. The show will always be free too, by the way, I should mention that. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. But uh, like I said, uh, in terms of moving us all forward and and looking to see what we can do uh, in in the future, this is uh, an opportunity we wanted to present to all of you and take the survey and let us know how you feel. And uh, we'll make uh, decisions, uh, based on uh, your feedback yeah i mean the, the survey is a great way for you guys to tell us what you would want to see in return for uh any contributions at all and uh it would give us a really good idea so i mean we've always sort of um had we've utilized fan input in the past ever since the very beginning through voicemails and uh you know basically it influenced where we went for the live shows too just hearing from you guys in general so uh, this is uh, not necessarily new that uh, we're listening to what your thoughts are on this, but uh, definitely let us know. And, and there's an opportunity to just generally state what it is that you'd like. And, uh, you know, we'll be reading all your comments and your feedback. Yeah. Something I learned this year, and we can get to this later um, with the Thanksgiving segment. I just really feel like this year, more than any year since Deathly Hallows Part 2 came out, I've been very reassured that there's a big future in harry potter um, i agree even fantastic beasts alone that's those films are being released two years apart that's six years ahead of, yeah. of wizarding world stuff from jk rowling so and you know warner brothers is going to want to do more after that so who knows what else is in store but i think harry potter is really ramping up again and we want to be there through all of it so again just visit mugglecast.com and there will be a link to take a survey right at the top and we'll also Offer links on social media. Yes. If you want to find it that way. So let's get to the news now. Before we get to Fantastic Beasts, a little, this kind of a local story, but I wanted to bring it up. Um, Universal Studios Hollywood is currently building their version of Wizarding World of Harry Potter. 
and they announced the 2016 pass prices. Now, I know these don't appeal to you guys, but I live literally 10 minutes away. So nice. I am extremely excited to be able to hop over to the Wizarding World whenever I want. I I can see I can see Hogwarts from when I'm driving around town and it's your house. So well, if on my rooftop, I spoke about this, right? On the rooftop, yeah, there's like yeah. a tree blocking it. It's so frustrating. Cut down the tree. But if I drive around North Hollywood, you can see it from everywhere, and it's just so surreal to me to be able to look up and see Hogwarts. I'm still not over. One of our milestone goals for the Patreon, not to bring that up again, is to is should be to cut down your tree. Cut down your tree. <laughs> yeah. If we raise enough, I will go take a, a chainsaw, chainsaw in the middle of the night to the to the tree absolutely <laughs> and we'll we'll bail you out yeah um, thank you, no, you with the, the money we it's, raised it's funny you call it a local uh story it's la so it's you know. yeah well local to local to me yeah but no but i i think it's important right As yes a, but go on so the price of a pass if you if you buy it right now you can get about 170 days of access to universal hollywood for 139 dollars that's not too bad right that's cheaper than florida yeah and a lot cheaper than the the big theme park here disneyland they're the universal's competitor um i i thought it i thought it was um pretty cool because if you went every day let's say wizarding world hollywood i've heard murmurs that it's gonna open up soft open up next month and if that's the case, as Whoa. soon as I hear that they have soft open, I am out my door, I am running over to Universal, and I am grabbing a butterbeer. But yeah, those prices are good, right? I They were very re- reassuring to me. Yeah, now these passes, are they season passes? Or yeah, right. one day? Because it wasn't, the article wasn't clear as far as... No, it's a like, it's an annual pass, so $139 for... You know, it's for a year, but there's a bunch of blockout dates. But if you take yeah. the blockout dates out, then right. for $139, you get about 170 days of access. But by the time the Wizarding World opens, it'll probably be about 120 days. But still, mm-hmm. that's that's a lot of days you can go to. It's a lot Hogwarts. of days to, to go get a Butterbeer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you can get less blockout dates for more money, of course. But um, yeah, wow. for those of you in the Southern California area, pretty pretty good deal and maybe we'll have a meetup or something there i don't know once you should andrew you should do a meetup take some photos live muggle cast from three broomsticks (laughs) i'm sorry this may be a little unprofessional of me but i have vowed to my friends and i'm dead serious about it uh, i want to get blackout drunk at the hogshead (laughs) well you are a legal adult (laughs) at this point yes uh, so long as you have a a designated driver um Of course. To take you home afterwards. I want to drink so much beer that I can't remember leaving the park. <laughs> and hopefully wow. not getting kicked out. I why just, don't you just not, why don't you just not leave? Why don't you just hide in like Honeydukes or something? Maybe. Yeah. Is there a hiding yeah. spot in there? I'll, I'll have to investigate. Well, the the one in Universal at least has several crevices. Not that I've ever hidden on them, but um <laughs> Yeah, you sure about that? Now, is this going to happen all 120 days that you're going to have access to the park or just once? Yes, I'm going to become a part-time alcoholic. And get, no, just just one time. Just one time. Doing but, it for the Facebook status. You're right, though. The value is great, even if it does open with about 120 days left in the year. Because it's basically like you're getting a dollar a day access. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Plus, there's there's other good rides at Universal Hollywood. But it's not as good of a park as Universal Orlando. 
for one, Hollywood just has one park, whereas Orlando has two. Right. And now Orlando has the Diagon Alley expansion, which is just amazing. And Hollywood will not. So. It's really funny because knowing nothing, growing up having known know nothing about Universal uh, Hollywood, that always seemed to me like it would be the more magical park because it was actually in Hollywood. And it wasn't until we started talking about the first Wizarding World going up that it was really brought up that Universal Hollywood was smaller. Um, yeah. So yeah. I was shocked. I mean, I, I just always remember wanting to go and seeing the commercials and wanting to go to Universal Studios Hollywood. Um, but it looks like, I mean, many of the rides that they had were duplicated in Florida, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Ho Universal Hollywood is kind of landlocked. The, the big thing that they have that's unique to Universal Hollywood is the studio tour. And they'll take you around oh. the studio sound stages and stuff. And, you 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 know, you have a chance of seeing stars and whatnot. It's It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um so yeah, those in again, those in Southern California area may want to pick up one of those passes because soft openings may be happening soon. They'll go quick. Yeah. Yep. Well, you have a lot to look forward to out there though. Obviously the grand opening is coming, but they seem to be doing these reoccurring celebrations down in Orlando, which I'm sure maybe they will do uh in LA as well once the park is officially opened and uh maybe I'm Maybe. sure you'll get the chance to go in a tent. <laughs> Maybe. If not, I will sit on my rooftop and cry while watching <laughs> the fireworks from two miles away. From either side of the tree. Yeah. <laughs> no, your your fireworks pictures from, uh, I don't even know how many years ago it is at this point. but that, I think that was 2010. Wow. So five years ago at this point. Uh, just... Uh, there was one photo. What was it with the snowman in the in the yeah. foreground and the yeah? That's nice. You remember that, Mike? I, I, over uh, Hogwarts. No, you, yeah, you should yeah, become a photographer. <laughs> I should. I do like. I do like photography on the side. We're going to continue with today's episode in just a moment, but first, it's time to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. They are the internet's leading provider of audiobooks, with more than 180,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of MuggleCast, Audible is offering you a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their great service, and I have a big pick for everybody this week. This has been a long time coming. Of course, this is a Harry Potter podcast, but I've never been able to recommend the Harry Potter books. They haven't been on Audible. It's not because I didn't want to recommend them. It's because they haven't been available. But now, as of last week, all seven books have been added to Audible, I'm very happy to say. And you can get any one of them for free. If you've never listened to a Harry Potter audiobook, you must. You must. Now, two different people narrated the audiobooks in English. They are Jim Dale and Stephen Fry, two very well-known people, and the version in the Audible store is Jim Dale, which I'm so happy about because, frankly, I think he did a really great job, a better job than Stephen Fry did. I'm just looking at the bestsellers list. Interestingly, of course, all seven Harry Potter books are at the top of the bestseller list, but they're in order. So it kind of seems like people are experiencing these books for the first time. They're downloading them as they go through the series. Of course, we've all read the Harry Potter books, but if you listen to an audiobook, it's a completely different experience, especially with somebody like Jim Dale, who created 
a unique voice for every single character in the series, you must give one of the Harry Potter audiobooks a try if you haven't already. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. Pick any of the seven books. Maybe pick your favorite one. See see what Jim Dale did with it. I think you're really going to like it. Audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast and get a free audiobook. Thank you, Audible, for your support of the show. Let's move on to Fantastic Beast news. Um, let's start with the cover. So basically, all this information about Fantastic Beasts came out in a first look on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. Um, this was earlier in November. If you look at the cover, which, by the way, I still haven't seen this in person. I should have looked, but um, it's got Newt, Eddie Redmayne on the cover. It says right across the cover, Harry Potter prequel. <laughs> and that kind of bothered me but oh, so this one is a prequel <laughs> yeah yeah and you know i kind of raised a fuss about this i think in my article and then people corrected me that jakey rowling did tweet at one point that this is a prequel whereas the cursed child is not uh-huh. so anyway what, what did you guys have any reactions to I'm this shocked. cover <laughs> quite shocked. honestly well I'm... yes because uh, they they have revealed where to find the fantastic beasts what do you Inside know? Nude Suitcase. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's only half of the title, Micah. <laughs> that's a whole oh, other... That's a Fantastic whole... Beasts and Where to Find Them. And that's a whole, whole other issue. Where the whole riddle them? has been solved. Nah. I've not seen the movie. <laughs> I've not movie seen the over. movie. You got spoiled now in the first image. Well, I, I, I thought that that bit of knowledge, which we have not stated explicitly what it is just yet, was actually sort of cool. Um, but just look-wise, what do you think of Newt? Uh, I think he looks very attractive. I'm very pleased with how he is looking. Got kind of the longer hair kind of going over his forehead a little bit. It's a nice jacket, right? Nice jacket as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, he's, he's 1920. He's a 1920s wizard. He is standing inside the entrance of the quote, majestic art deco influenced magical Congress of the United States of America. Or Mac USA, which is the American version of the Ministry of Magic, end quote. So much information came out of this EW article. It's actually a little bit ridiculous how much there was in it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a magical congress. It's not a ministry for magic. You know, a number of other things that came out. But uh, yeah, I, I like how it looks. That's all I can say. Yeah. The, the film, I mean, you know, from the from the cover, there's a, there's also a number of stills from the set, uh, including one on a train platform with the uh, supporting characters as well. And in that one, um, I do want to point out Newt is wearing a Hufflepuff scarf. Um, but uh, yeah, Wait, which still is this? This is the one with the, it's at the bottom of the hyperbole article. It's, oh, it's yeah. in, on the train platform. He's wearing a, a Hufflepuff scarf. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, well, it's yellow he, and gray. I mean, uh, do, you think, do you think he's actually representing Hufflepuff there? I think he's actually representing, <laughs> well, we know that this character is or was a Hufflepuff. Yeah. Um, huh, so cool. it wouldn't be, and, you know, he's still maybe just a couple years out of Hogwarts at this point. So who knows? I don't know. Maybe he embraces it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was cool. actually going to point that out as well. I don't, I don't think it's by mistake that he's wearing those colors. Mm. That's a that's a cool point. I didn't that didn't tell me. That's actually really cool. Yeah. So we right. saw the other supporting characters, and there's nothing really to to say about them. I mean, they look good, I guess. Yeah. 
I it was there's one still of David Yates on set, and I thought that was pretty exciting because he was the director of the four Harry Potter movies. So to see him back, who's he playing? <laughs> <laughs> He's playing overworked director. Uh, oh. No, what I really liked about it, though, is we got more of a description of these characters as, a, you know, it's great to obviously see them, but also get more insight into who, in fact, they are going to be playing and how they all tie into this series. Yeah. Which stood out to you most, do you think? We'll go through them all, but which one do you want to talk about first? Actually, the the mysterious character that's mentioned at the end credence uh yeah mary lou's troubled adopted son um Mm. yeah and of course yeah go ahead this is the one played by ezra miller who was in perks being a wallflower he's also going to be the flash for warner brothers in a few years the the movie um he also had a great role in train wreck if you've seen that movie it came out a couple months ago i have not seen that oh it's really good um yeah so yeah yeah, right. So he's described as a most mysterious character. He's the troubled adopted son of Mary Lou, who is the leader of the fanatical Second Sam- Salemers, a group looking to expose and destroy wizards and witches. So my assumption is that Credence actually may be a wizard, or he is in support of wizards, now- unlike his mother. Was this also in the EW article? Yeah, it was a oh, separate. Wow. Yeah. Um, Did you have any yeah. other thoughts on that, Micah? Yeah, I, I think that's probably going to be the case. Either he is, in fact, a wizard, has some sort of magical ability, uh, or is a, a massive supporter of, of Newt and whatever his particular cause is going to be. Maybe he helps Newt out. Anytime you have a a child of somebody who is portrayed as being extremely narrow-minded and fanatical, uh, it's often the case that that child ends up being uh, in direct contrast right. to to who, uh, in this case, Mary Lou appears to be. But I think they all sound great. I mean, looking at uh, Colin Farrell's character, Graves and Auror, um, yeah. in America, though, not... Uh, you know, from the Ministry of Magic as we've come to know it. Surprised they don't have another name for Auror in America. Yeah. A- and he's being described as the right-hand man of the American Wizarding World's president. Mm. So uh, what interests me about him being an Auror is that there's dark magic at play here. because Or d- dark wizards. Because why else would he have a prominent role in the movie? Which is surprising because so far, even even after this EW preview, we haven't heard much about any dark wizards Mm. existing. Right. No, not not that we know of yet. But yeah, I like the fact that he is the right hand man of the the president. And uh, you actually had somewhat of a scoop on that, didn't you, Andrew? There was a little bit more information. Yeah, well, and I think I mentioned this on a previous episode of MuggleCast. I've heard that they were going to be casting a woman as the Wizarding World president. But I I don't know if this is the president of the United States. I don't know if this is some Wizarding World president. Uh, I I guess it would be the Wizarding World president. It would have to be, because otherwise it's not history. Right. Right. Well, and EW describes the 
the person as quote the American Wizarding World's president. So like uh, so like the leader of the Mis- Ministry of Magic. Yeah, it would be the Minister for Magic, like the equivalent of that. Yeah. Um. So, but it's it's going to be very interesting, like having an a uh, magical Congress, but yet. So I wonder if like the Wizarding World government is split into three branches, like the U.S. government is. Or if it's just the leader of the Congress, like, I'm, yeah, I'm wondering how that works, but uh, I'm sure we'll either understand by the time we see the movie or not. I just love the idea of Con Farrell as a or and even the name Graves. You just know he's going to be gritty and just like no nonsense <laughs> and kind of an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Humorous, though, and, and that's something that David Heyman pointed out in another uh, article is that there's a lot of humor uh, in this movie. So. Uh we'll talk about that all right but uh, <laughs> overall though I, I i like the descriptions of these characters we learned that tina and queenie are going to be uh you know roommates in addition to being uh, siblings queenie showing a little bit of leg in that poster i don't know what that's about <laughs> um queenie is also a legilimens meaning she can read minds and we all remember that scene in uh harry potter when snape reads harry's mind and tries to train harry to block out people from coming in namely voldemort so i like this because like graves being an or queenie being a legilimens is a nice little connection to harry potter it's a nice little when you hear about it in this movie you're gonna be like oh yeah i remember that from harry potter right now i wonder um because in harry potter Harry was forced to relive what was being extracted from from his mind or he watched it as it was being extracted. Like it wasn't necessarily mind reading so much as forcing him uh, to relive. So I'm wondering if I'm wondering if Queenie can do it sort of a different way, like if she'll just be able to sort of be like an empath and be like, tell people how they're feeling before they are feeling it. You know what I'm saying? Because it's kind of if it's legitimacy it should make the subject completely aware that their mind is being read. Right, right. And then Tina, who eventually marries Newt, works at the Magical Congress of the United States of America. So they're going to meet at Mac USA. Uh, (laughs) It sounds so weird. (laughs) Mac USA. It's the the Apple Store. (laughs) And according to the CW preview, Tina is relegated to an office well below her abilities after she stood up for the wrong person. She longs to fight for what's right. So you can see where this is going. Tina's going to admire what Newt is up to, whatever he's up to, and they'll work together. And then she's very Hermione like, at least in the description. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have Jacob. He's a a muggle factory worker slash aspiring baker. He's the PETA <laughs> of this film. Hmm. I like this idea, though, that he is a muggle. Yeah, and as EW notes, he is the Harry Potter franchise's first muggle main character, which yeah. is kind of interesting. Cool. Played by Dan Fogler, by the way. Right. I don't this think I've just... seen him in anything. Mm-hmm. The photo reminds me a bit of Vernon. Yeah, he totally looks like Vernon. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> So those were the character descriptions. We also, getting back to the, the cover and the stills, Newt is holding a briefcase and 
to somebody who doesn't know anything about this film, it's like, oh, briefcase, so what? Well, as it turns out, this newt, uh, this, <laughs> I almost said newt case, this <laughs> suitcase, let's call it the newt case. Newt that's case, the title yeah. of the episode. Now. Absolutely. The, episode. The, newt, the newt case. Right, I like that it. too. The newt case holds a world of magic. Oh, no. Let me quote the article here. This case is one of those way, way, way bigger on the inside magical devices, and within are expansive habitats for a collection of rare and endangered magical creatures from Newt's travels around the globe. He discovers the American wizard community is fearfully hiding from muggles. Fantastic Beasts is the story of what happens when this uniquely skilled English wizard travels to whizphobic America and a variety of his creatures, some quite dangerous, get out of their case. So this is kind of what we speculated on another recent episode. Didn't we say that Beast would be wreaking havoc and the Newt, the reason he's staying longer than intended is because he's got to get him under control. Because right? he's got to get animals under control. Yeah, the, yeah. the fascinating thing or the different thing here, what we didn't predict is that Newt is carrying these creatures with him to begin with. and It's all his fault. It's all his fault. And that's why, and he's the only one who's uniquely skilled to get them back because he caught them in the first place. Yeah. Or is it his fault? We don't know. I mean, somebody else could release them. Well, you mean, that's kind of... That's the interesting thing. Like, I, I, this sounds, this plot sounds so similar to the plot of the recent Goosebumps movie. Um, And have any of you guys seen that? I haven't. I really wanted to, By the way, no. Yeah, well, it, it it's got Jack Black who plays R.L. Stein, um, which is you know neither a reason to see it nor a reason not to see it. But apparently, it's like the, all the little creatures from Goosebumps books, all the original fifty or so, uh, are let loose in the real world, and uh, they've got to basically this child and neighbor kids all have to go and and get them back in their books. And just like, and it certainly uh, Goosebumps movie of a couple months ago is not the first sort of story to do this. I've, you've seen it before in literature, but, uh, you know, just, just having it be that this is the plot of an upcoming movie, it just kind of seems like it's overshadowed by, you know, it's not a fully original idea. Yeah. With that said, I like this plot description. I like these ideas. I think it's really cool that. Newt's holding this suitcase, kind of like that bag that Hermione carries around in Deathly Hollows, that there's a bunch of worlds in it. I can kind of picture him opening up the suitcase and it kind of expands like a, you know, those yeah. children books that kind of like pop out books, I guess you would call them. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I was also just thinking like, you know, we live in a pretty remarkable age of um, CGI work. I can't wait to see what these beasts look like. I mean, That's they're going to be crazy on screen, I, I have to think. Yeah, th this is all going to be done extremely, extremely well, uh, I think. And, you know, it does remind me of Hermione's bag, of, of even the night bus. Uh, yeah. How that expands once you're inside or, or the tent from Goblet of Fire uh, when they're out at the Quidditch World Cup. But uh, what I think differentiates this from, let's say, a Goosebumps type of uh, plot is that you have so much that seems to be going on from a political undertone standpoint. And I know we mentioned earlier there doesn't, really seem to be a, a villain that's been cast yet uh, that we know of anyway but i don't even know that this first movie needs that you know you're gonna have beasts running all over the place from the sound of it you're gonna have a bit of 
prejudice uh, going on uh, from mm-hmm. a, uh, you know, political standpoint, it seems like in terms of, of muggle world versus wizarding world or no Madge world versus wizarding world. However, it, it gets to be, uh, you know, finalized. But I, I just think that there's there's going to be a lot that's going to be happening here that will hopefully, you know, carry over into the the second and third films. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think the, the sole kind of focus of the film is just going to be, you know, like somebody put Pokemon in the dock, like got to catch them all. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's going it's to be part <laughs> of the plot. But I think there's going to be a lot going on. Oh, for sure. That's not just focused on the actual beasts themselves. Yeah, I, I couldn't help but think about Pokemon when I heard this the suitcase thing, because in Pokemon, you get these Pokeballs and you capture them and they 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 shrink down and hide in these Pokeballs. So uh, I don't know. I, it, I I kind of hope that he has some certain way of catching them. Like, is there a spell that like, how does he get them into the suitcase? Accio. <laughs> you know, I speaking of spells, though, it was also I really want to talk about this. It was revealed that his wand core is not for, or his his wand is not made from animals like wasn't that also in this ew article somewhere i'm trying to i don't know see if i can find it i'm gonna get a source on that in a moment okay. but yeah his wand core is different which okay. is weird and like interesting well yeah check on that and then in the meantime we will talk about oh one other thing i guess worth mentioning about jumping back to the characters this second salemer um mary lou what do we think about that a second salemer so this is referring to the salem witch trials right. and this will there will be the second salem group that is out to destroy witches and wizards like i kind of love that that is called second salem yeah i like it too a lot except that i wonder where it's going with this prejudice stuff like I, I, I think it's an imp- it's important that to acknowledge that that sort of thing happens in the real world. Um, but as a uh, an obstacle for Newt to overcome, I kind of just would rather an adventure story, um, you know. But I we'll we'll see. I'll obviously try and withhold a lot of my judgment until the film comes. But it's just like I, you know, the Salem witch trials were a couple hundred years ago at this point, and it was shocking, I think, to us all that the that secrecy was not really accomplished in the US at this at this point. The wizards are apparently people know they exist because people are picketing against them. It was like that set report we got. So, you know, I I we'll, uh, we'll see how it works well, out. Weren't well, we don't know if if I I think there may I don't I don't think this is suggesting that there wasn't secrecy. Mm. Cuz then wasn't the secrecy. Well, I guess you're right because if there's a group Maybe the group forms after the beasts break out. It yeah. seems, yeah, it seems like not enough time passes. You know, yeah. So it's kind of like my my whole thing is like I think it'll be so. Newt Scamander, this highly accomplished uh, beast catcher, uh, is in New York, probably just passing through. Um, he encounters maybe it's his first time in New York, and uh, he encounters a world that's drastically different from from England because there's these picketers and people don't like wizards here and all the wizards live in fear which what they have to be fearful for from I don't know but we'll see and like then his beasts get loose and all the wizards hate him 
because he's just made their job so much harder. But he's also going to have to bravely stand up and get the things back and save the day, despite the fact that even wizards don't like him because he's making tensions worse. Mm-hmm. It's kind of... Yeah, no, that's not... I mean, that's not a bad time. thought. I mean, yeah. one thing that came to mind for me is we know that this is happening in the 1920s in, in New York, in, in the heart of the Great Depression, right? So it maybe it's possible that these people, uh, the, the, the quote-unquote uh, muggles or whatever we're calling them now, uh, you know, they're, they are blaming uh, some of what's happening on the wizarding world. Uh, you know, it's certainly possible. Uh, I... I am also kind of a bit wary, and Eric touched on this, but uh, of of the prejudice uh, that that's going to be, or at least appears to be, uh, at the forefront of of some of what's going on uh, in this movie. It, it's interesting that we're seeing this a little bit more than what we did. Certainly, it was in the Potter series, uh, you know, with pure blood versus versus mud blood. Uh, and uh, it, it it played a very important role between families like the Malfoys and the Weasleys and, and Hermione and her role in the entire series. But it seems like it's much more pronounced uh, in in this first film, and that it's it's more so coming from the non magical folk toward the magical folk. And and I wonder how that sets up everything that is to come in the future. You know how that influences relationships between the magical world and the non-magical world and within the magical world itself. Yeah. Good questions. You know, I have, uh, I'm still looking on this wand thing, but I did, I stumbled upon uh, an interview uh, on snitch seeker that actually has some other indication about what the movie might uh, be about. Um, Catherine Waterston, the actress says uh, that the most endearing thing is watching Eddie interact with the beasts. It's so beautiful He's worked out all these different dynamics with them. So apparently it won't just necessarily be a, you know, capture and action and this kind of thing. But actually, Eddie had some time to interact with the beast in some capacity. He's like a beast whisperer. Yeah, exactly. Or like, a, like, like um, Chris Pratt's character in Jurassic World. He kind of like... Yeah, he, he knows he's all about it. He's the trainer him. of the, the raptors, and he gives them names, and he can control them. Here's a quote uh, from Eddie on J.K. Rowling that I'd like to share. She could talk you through everything, every in- intricacy. You're not playing a real character, but in J.K. Rowling's mind, Newt is entirely three-dimensional, and you can talk to her about what his life was like. Mm. So, this is, so this is really cool, actually, this... um. Yeah, I'm I'm really kind of interested in just it just seems like a lot of like it's 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 a complicated plot. Yeah, yeah, I I don't think J.K. Rowling will be letting us down. So finally, the big the third. Well, actually, not there's kind of two more things. Um, The next big reveal was J.K. Rowling. It turns out she created a American word for muggle. And this drove people crazy <laughs> in all different directions. So the word is nomaj. It's spelled N-O hyphen M-A-J, but pronounced Madge, like Madonna's nickname. 
and uh this is this is what will be used not by everybody but this is the american word um we did learn later that muggle will still appear in fantastic beasts i presume that newt will use muggle whereas americans will use nomad right right yeah and that seems safe so i mean i don't i, don't, I didn't really mind this revelation i think it makes sense I'd like to know what historical precedent there is for hyphenated word like this, you know, kind of. That's what I want to know. I want an example of somebody in the 1920s or sooner, like making up a word that has a hyphen in it. No, and no madge for just you don't have magic. That just seems kind of unintelligent. But yeah, it, it does seem to bother people largely because it just seems so weird. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I can remember being weird. thinking that thinking I can remember that thinking that muggle was a silly word just right. sounds silly but we've at first used to it now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 14 years later, it's just <laughs> like, oh, OK, no, that's the normal word. And now I hate this other word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, what do you think, Micah? I don't really know what to think. I don't know that Americans need their own word for muggle. I think somebody pointed out the fact that. There are American editions of the the Harry Potter books, and not once is the word nomad used in those uh, editions. So if that was, in fact, such a big deal, uh, why not use it in the American edition? Uh, well, no, of no, the no, books? no, no. Hold on, hold on. They they don't use it in the American edition of the books because it's still set in England. Well, okay, I'll c- c- come at it from this angle then. America was founded in the 17 or 1800s, decades and centuries long after the British who eventually would some some of them would go off and colonize America True. had had the word muggle so it's a word that develops after muggle and therefore well, doesn't need to I, have developed after muggle I would still argue that wizards came over to America and they didn't know what the lingo was over in England necessarily so well they wanted to be different I guess right because America is all about wanting to be different than the Brits yeah and really it's just short for no magic but no magic you can't call somebody oh you're a no magic (laughs) and so that doesn't really (laughs) right so I mean unless there's a drastic difference in population like muggles wow wizards are still the minority here um, there are not near as many wizards as there are nomad people. So, yeah, we, I mean, we don't know the history here. Perhaps we'll learn about it in the film. Perhaps J.K. Rowling will provide some more context. But yeah, I was just just looking at the article that Selena had put together, saying that there were other words for Muggle that have existed long before nomad came about, and and that would also, you know, that's what made me think back to the American editions of the book because obviously words were changed. Uh, from the the British editions to the American editions. So if this is in fact what Americans use to refer to non-magical people, or sorry, what uh, American wizards use to refer to non-magical people, why wasn't it in the American edition of the Potter books? Yeah. Mm. I mean, Selena's article, which I love too, is talking about translated words. Like they, they made a word up to translate. This right, is actually isn't that just... what they're doing when, the, no. when they're, they're taking... British phrases that may not be understood by American readers and they're quote unquote translating it into American English. That's they're exactly not. what they're doing. No, they're it's not. Different. 
it's more of a nickname. It's more. Well, of no, a, you're saying because this is a term that's used within the series that makes it different, but doesn't no, really. Think of the word soup. In French, is a different word than soup. In Finnish, in Danish, in Portuguese, the word soup is an English word. So yes, it, it's called something else in these different languages. Muggle and nomad are both English language words for no. But if non- you read both the American and British editions of the book, not every yeah. word in them is going to be the same. Right. Just, so, well, that's true. due to editing. Yes, yeah, some taps and can think of another. It's due to Americanizing the series, which we right. could have a whole other discussion about. Yeah, some people argue that that shouldn't be a thing. I think it should be more of a thing. But but anyway, I I don't know how to feel about this. At the end of the day, I. I don't really know. It, it kind of ties into this feeling about how American society is being portrayed, uh, at least in the 1920s in New York, uh, about having these sorts of feelings towards uh, non-magical people. I don't, I don't know how to feel. Well, get used to it. I'm buying you a nomad shirt for Christmas. I'm a nomad. Oh. <laughs> so should we change our name to No Cast because we're no. American? Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't like the ring of it. I just uh, yeah, it, it doesn't. I agree. Can can you can you do a hyphen in the um? Oh, I guess you can in the Twitter in the URL. Handle. I didn't change the Twitter handle, but I did change as a joke our Twitter name. So if you go to Twitter.com/slash/MuggleCast, you'll see No Maj is like no our No Cast. Cast as our name. <laughs> And also, I bought the domain yesmash.com, and I will soon be launching a pro-wizard site for yes. us 1920s Americans, so stay tuned for that. I believe they deserve equal rights here in the US of A, so yesmash.com is your resource for everything beasts. <laughs> I I saw that uh, MuggleNet bought nomajnet.com. Yeah, we did. If you go to nomad, N-O-M-A-J-N-E-T dot com, no hyphens, it'll redirect to MuggleNet. (laughs) (laughs) I think we were all buying domain names that morning. (laughs) Yeah, you got got to squat them. Squat all of them. Yeah. It's like, we... we, (laughs) This is good business. Final Fantastic Beast story today. So, in honor of the 10th anniversary of Goblet of Fire opening in theaters, it opened... um, November 2005, EW released one more tidbit from their Fantastic Beasts said visit. This came a couple weeks after the cover story. They spoke to producer David Heyman, who also produced the Harry Potter movies, and they asked which Harry Potter film does Fantastic Beasts most, is it most similar to? And David Heyman said Mike Newell. He said, quote, Fantastic, sorry, David David Heyman said Goblet of Fire. <laughs> fin- and, and then David Heyman said, quote, Fantastic Beasts has got the charm of the fourth. It's like the fourth. Mike Newell, the director, talked about the fourth as being like an Indian musical. And it's not that, but it's got the humor of that film. It has the romantic comedy, that fish out of water humor, that very human, natural character comedy. And now David Yates is always looking for truthful human moments. It's never just a gag. He's grounding the storytelling moments in a reality. Beasts is very funny. It's got a big heart, and there's darkness, too. Hmm. Yeah, so 
Now, Goblet of Fire, the movie and book, are not my favorite movie or book. So I was <laughs> a little taken aback by this. Yeah. But I don't think we should take the comparison too seriously because he, Heyman is just saying that, you know, the the truthful human moments and the comedy. So, okay. What I mean, they, yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with the fourth book. Um, the fourth movie where all the Hogwarts students, wow, where all the Hogwarts students are like hooligans, <laughs> soccer hooligans, uh, I don't care for. But. You know, that said, Mike Newell actually went to boarding school and spent some time there and knows more than I do about them. So, hey, maybe that's how the world is. But I, I do think that it's just about the romance, right? Because you had the Yule Ball. Um, I love this subtitle of this article, Angry Dumbledore Included. Um, you know, it's just kind of it's funny to to see kind of compare the two. But for me, the big comparison would have been and, and Heyman did not say this was like the dragons, right? Um, yeah, there's, I keep thinking about this massive beast, the mer people, the Grindelows. Right. Why? Why? There are probably more beasts in that movie than there are in the other ones. <laughs> yeah. More yeah. creatures. Yeah. And, and, and I was just remembering, uh, back to the book, the fantastic beasts, uh, that were in the maze, right? Uh, mm. there was the Sphinx. The Sphinx is is the one that really stands out probably more than than any others. But uh, you know there was uh, other creatures there as well, like an Acromantula. There was a blast-ended yeah. Scroot. Uh, there was a Dementor. I don't really know what category that falls into, but any right. It's just uh, there was a lot that was omitted from the maze itself. It was more, I, I think, uh, psychological uh, in the film. Yeah. Uh, than than anything else but uh from from an actual uh, creature standpoint uh that that was probably their biggest opportunity uh to to include what would be considered fantastic beasts and and they didn't so it's just kind of funny that he's comparing it in that sense to goblet of fire and, and eric like you mentioned he doesn't talk about the dragons he doesn't talk about uh any of the other creatures that we do in fact see in the film but uh, there, there is a certain humor uh, to to Goblet of Fire. It's very lighthearted at points. The Yule Ball, of course, uh, even even going back to the the, the Quidditch World Cup. So uh, I'm looking forward to the, all of this. I mean, I, I like the fact that we're back here. We're debating. We're speculating. We're theorizing. We don't yeah. have the answers, and that is what makes all this great. Is that we can talk about it. We can share what uh listeners think as well and a lot of times they're more on point than we are yeah. uh, so uh this is all gonna be a lot of fun as, as we head into uh this film being released uh late next year yeah less than a year away now and by the way we did a poll on hypable about no Maj, if people liked it or not and um 41 percent liked it approved of it and 59 percent huh. said no so you know, there was a there's a big outcry, but it wasn't the the large majority majority. Fifty nine percent are all Americans. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, well, I tell people in the in the the UK and elsewhere happy about it either. I mean, we've all just have really um, like Eric said, we've been we've known Muggle for fourteen years, so to change such a big word yeah. is kind of. So oh, 18 years, yeah, 18 years for, for anyone who started with the books. Or actually, right. sorry, 17, because 98, but so, yeah, 17, so it's a long time. 
we asked on social media if there's anything else you guys want to talk uh, want us to talk about related to um fantastic beasts justin said do you think david yates will helm all three films i'm crossing my fingers for a new director slash cinematographers to helm the succeeding movies so as to encourage other talented filmmakers to further envision the wizarding world in all its potential glory what do you guys think would you like to see david yates stick with all three or somebody else i would i mean i I want i want the consistency there and i know he's worked on other films before whether people like what he did with the series in the last four films or they don't is certainly up for debate but i i I want the level of consistency if he's going to start this series and introduce us to this world of the 1920s he's going to introduce us to these characters and these creatures i want him to be there the whole time i agree Hannah offers some feedback about Nomash. She says, it just sounds awkward and clunky. There's no way I could use it in a proper sentence or to describe someone like I could with Muggle. He is such a Muggle versus he is such a Nomash. Doesn't sound the same. Plus, why change it for the sake of changing it? Muggle is iconic and is known by everyone, even those who don't know Harry Potter. Nomash sounds, in my opinion, obvious. A wizard, Hagrid, for example, would walk around London saying, about the things muggles do in front of everyone muggle doesn't give away its meaning no mage however does that's a i can see that yeah it's a point maggie says not sure fantastic beasts being similar to goblet of fire is a positive thing goblet of fire had inaccuracies that were hard to ignore with the most prominent being angry dumbledore and (laughs) hermione's dress color pink is nowhere close to periwinkle but then again, we don't have a book to compare with this time around. So maybe bingo. Yeah, I mean that's the thing you got to remember. I don't think David Heyman was implying that there's going to be critical differences, <laughs> adaptation differences that piss right. everybody off. Yeah. Uh, uh, Z- Zemmer says, "I think I may be the only one who doesn't want to be spoiled." Here's the reason: Harry Potter series was first a book series, then movies. Because the series is brand new, we have a chance to be surprised and be taken into the magic, just like the first time we read the Harry Potter books. Yes, we may have we may get a few spoilers from the film synopsis or the random trailer or TV spot that are sure to come. But if we want to get the true J.K. Rowling experience, we need to avoid street reports and rumors. I'm even sorry that I heard the story from Entertainment Weekly, and I regret hearing about Nomash. I want to be surprised, as Newt will probably when he hears that word for his first time <laughs> that's an interesting point <laughs> yeah maybe newt is gonna learn that word along with us i think jk rowling's writing and her world in general are so detailed so vast they are that there will be plenty of surprises over the next three movies and the first one there there's there just has to be i mean you'll you'll look in the background of scenes and you'll be like oh my gosh what is that what is that what is that what is that magical object what's this yeah what's this what's are you saying there'll be some easter eggs there as well you think yeah i bet so i mean they they got all the props still laying around from the first eight movies so (laughs) yeah there'll be some name dropping maybe jk rowling will finally make a cameo as well oh maybe i hope so i hope she does so um finally to wrap up the show today what if you guys had to pick one thing you're thankful for in harry potter this year Ah, one thing what would it be all right i've had some time to think about this uh i am thankful for 
this year we celebrated our 10th anniversary and as a podcast. And so I'm thankful for 10 years of Harry Potter podcasting. Aww, that's true. That's a good point. Mike R. I just, uh, it's hard to uh, not go with what Eric just said. Uh, <laughs> it really, no, it really is. And the fact that we have been around doing this for 10 years, hopefully we're, we're here doing it for 10 more. And uh, outside of that, I would just say the fact that this fan community continues to thrive there's no shortage of news uh, it seems we're just uh we're alive and kicking right it's it's something that it still continues to be important to so many people around the world and whether we're talking about a new theme park opening or we're talking about a new uh film being released next year just the list just continues to grow, whereas you would think uh, how many ever years now, what, eight years after the last film or the last book was released. I don't think we would have thought that we would be sitting here today still doing this podcast. Yeah. Like I've said before uh, earlier in this episode, this year has definitely made me realize that Harry Potter is really getting started again in, in big ways. I mean, we haven't had a year like this in a very long time. That's true. So, um, but if I had to pick one particular thing this year, I would I would say the cursed child because I was recently talking to friends about this, and I think it's going to be so cool to see this show in t- in two parts. Mm. And the days I got tickets for, I'm seeing it. Um, the the two parts are two days apart, so I'll see one part on Wednesday and one part on Friday. I'm just thinking, like, it's going to be so cool in between the two shows to be, like, digesting what happened in the first part and then speculating about what's happening in the next. I sense a specific – or, sorry, a special uh, MuggleCast episode coming. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Um, But I will say, uh, unless you add – well, and just it'll else. be it'll be cool to see to see a, a Harry Potter sequel <laughs> for the first time in a while. Yeah, no, that's it's definitely true. But I I think one thing the three of us can agree on is that we're we're all thankful for the listeners of the show, whether they've been with us for ten years or they've just started listening in the last couple of months. You know, they are the lifeblood of of what we do, month in and month out right now. But that may change in the not too distant future. Yeah. And that's a good reminder to please visit the MuggleCast website and you'll find a link to this Patreon survey. We want to know what you'd be interested in, if you'd be interested in supporting us and what you would like to get out of that support. And I think our ultimate goal is to increase the number of episodes we do per month. Right now we do one a month, but we would like to increase that, but we're going to need your help. And uh, so check out that survey and we'll decide from there what we do so i think that's all for this week thanks everybody for listening and we'll be back in december for our next episode i've noticed jk rowling's been a little quiet on twitter lately maybe uh she's i needed her to start talking again (laughs) i miss all her tweets well she's been out doing all that publicity for her or i'm sorry robert's new uh book career of evil which dropped uh last month i don't know did you guys have a chance to read i finished it oh you did this past week yeah what did you think i liked it uh i 
it's it's much different than the first two in that you get a more of a look into the characters of Strike and and Robin in particular. You learn a lot more about their their background, uh, and I think that that takes up uh, a very large portion of the book, but it's also part of the case that the two of them are trying to solve. So uh, I definitely recommend it. I don't even think you'd have to necessarily read the first two to read this book, which okay. makes it uh, a bit unique, but clearly you want a bit of the background um, of these two characters and what they've gone through. So uh, I would certainly uh, recommend the book. and. Uh, you know, it's it's another mystery by J.K. Rowling, much like the Potter yeah. series was. Yeah, I'm I'm 65 percent of the way through it, according to my Kindle, and I'm really <laughs> enjoying it too. It's definitely the the darkest of the three so far, um, for the reasons Micah stated. It's more it's more personal. It's more focused on Robin and Strike, which I really like because they are the reason I read this series. The right. the case is actually kind of hard to follow. There's a there's a ton of characters, and I just. I I don't yeah. really study that part, and they're much. very much uh, they're not exactly the same, but a lot of what has happened in their in their history is kind of similar. So it's it's a little bit difficult to keep track of all the suspects. Yeah, right, right, right. All right, well that's what we got for everybody this week. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. One final reminder: MuggleCast.com and our social media channels will keep you updated on the latest episode news and everything else. Twitter.com slash MuggleCast and Facebook.com slash MuggleCast. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. And for those of you who are celebrating, have a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to y'all. Happy Thanksgiving. See you next month. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.